take a risk. I think um, it, it's so easy to be comfortable. It's so easy to give ourselves great excuses. And when I say great excuses, uh, sometimes our excuses sound great. I'm not going to work out because I got to put the kids to bed. That's a good excuse because your kids need to go to bed. But we'll ride that out for six years. Uh, I, I want to go back to school, but I got church and I got soccer with the kids. That's good excuses. Church is needed. Soccer is needed for the kids. Keep them occupied. But that good excuse is causing you to miss out on the greatest opportunity of your life. Welcome to the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast, a podcast where we're seeking to lead change. We're also seeking to understand. We're also here as a platform for leaders to come together to unite, to develop, and empower other leaders in the areas of business, family, and community. I'm your host, Lafayette Lane, joking with my co-host, John LeBron. And tonight, we have a very special guest, Troy Pepper, who is a PA announcer for the Indiana Pacers. He's an engineer, youth leader, and preacher. He's a husband and father, two adorable little girls. Tonight, he has joined us right here on the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast. Troy, thanks for coming on. Man, I'm happy to be on with you guys and uh, glad to be here, man. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Let's get into the conversation. As I just said, you're a PA announcer, you're an engineer, you're a leader in your own right, man, in the secular and the uh, ministry side of things. So you have duality. You also are in the uh, announcing arena. You know, we're here on the podcast, but you, you're in your own media space as well, Troy. Man, tell us about your story, how you got involved in all that, you, what you do and who you are. Well, that's, there's, there's a lot that I do. Uh, where do you want to start at? <laughs> yeah, because you're a youth leader, you're a pastor, you're a PA announcer. How did you get involved in just leadership? Because all those aspects that I just named all have to do with leadership. I know that you're a leader as well um, as you being an engineer. We've talked several times in that space and where you're in where you're working at. Um, so how did you get involved in, in just getting your hand in all those different types of leadership arenas? Absolutely. I think my 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 leadership journey uh, definitely started when I uh, I say ministry wise. I was born and raised in church. Uh, my father is a preacher. My uncle's a preacher, a bishop. My grandfather's a bishop. Uh, my great grandmother is a, a missionary that traveled. So I come from a very spiritual leadership background. So that is we call in the church we're pew babies. And from that, you know, I, I began to I got you know, I, I accepted Christ in my life at a really early age, at the age of six years old. And from that, I just really stayed attached to the church. I've always had a desire to lead in some type of ministry. I remember I was six years old. I went to the bank with my grandfather, who's a pastor. He's a bishop. He's a diocesan bishop of many churches. Now he's more so going to the retirement uh, spot of his life. And I remember I asked him, I said, do pastors get paid? He said, yeah, I was six. I said, <laughs> well, maybe I need to be a pastor when I grow up. But yeah. not knowing I'm speaking things in my life. And eventually, as I got older, my teenage years, I was ordained a minister and I became a, a youth pastor. I've led on different organization levels. Uh, I belong to, our church belonged to an organization called the Apostolic Assemblies of Christ, in which I moved through the ranks, was a Indiana State president. Then I went to our national vice president uh, level. So I've always had an ambition about leadership, but it all kind of rooted my foundation was in church leadership, which I believe gave me certain, I think, advantages. Because, you know, Lafayette, you can contest when you're in church, 
You're going to have to get the microphone eventually and you're going to have to speak in front of people. And that helped me really get an edge on, I would say, competition in my corporate setting. I'll get to in a second. Just having the ability to speak in front of a crowd, articulate myself and not be too shy from the moment uh, where a leadership role is needed. I think it started with me. I think I've always wanted to be the guy that led somebody or lead a team. Because I remember when I was first grade, my teacher at a parent-teacher conference, she said to my mother, she said, well, Troy is always volunteering to be the captain of every team. Like when we're in, you know, you're in a school, in a group setting, everybody's like maybe it's five people for a presentation. Somebody doesn't want to speak. Somebody wants to write. And then the other person wants to just lead. I was the first one to say, I will present. I will lead. You guys work and get it together. But I believe all that started, man, as a foundation is my my church background. It gave me some attributes that I believe I still use today uh, leading into my tech life as well as in my media with my uh, announcing. That answers your question as far as a foundation. Sure, man. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead, John. You have a question, bro? No, I just... Actually, I have a, I do have a question, but I would really like to hear how you got an announcing because it plays off of that yeah, in yeah, your yeah. gift. So if you don't mind going to that next phase. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I have a question yeah. I, thought, I thought of as you're talking that I would really be interested in, in learning about. But go ahead. Absolutely. So you, you went through your youth and you went through leading as a young kid. It reminds me of my son a little bit. I was not that guy. I was the like, hey, all right. <laughs> and I just was low self-image, you know. And yeah. that's impressive. And but obviously your parents did an amazing job of raising you to believe in yourself and not listen to naysayers and what other people think about you. It's incredible. <clears throat> so tip of the hat to them. And then but then now as an adult, take us from there. Yeah. So from there to go into the announcing part, um, I got into announcing, man, back when I was in high school. I've always I, I, I was on the news team. Uh, I went to Pike High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. So RDTV News. I was the anchor that says school lunches have went up by two dollars. Like I was that guy. So I've always had a knack for communications. So that's why I eventually started going to college for because I my mom always said, Troy, you should be a news anchor or some type of broadcasting announcing. And I was like, okay. But then in college, I kind of said, man, they don't make any money starting out. And I said, let me go the engineering route because I want money. <laughs> so that's kind of where it went. But I got announcing by doing it locally for high schools, for conferences, uh, different conventions, and just kind of had my name floating locally around. And one of my friends, this is how I got the PA announcing job for the Indiana Pacers. So one of my friends, we're playing golf. This is last year. And he tells me, hey, um, the PA announcing job for Indiana Pacers just came up. And I'm like, okay. He said, you should uh, try out for it. I was like, man, it's probably a million people that's going to try out. There's no way in the world I'm going to get the Indiana Pacers. I didn't think, I said, well, man, send me the link and I'll probably try out. So that was the first week of September. He didn't send me the link. I happened to look up the link when I was about to go to bed and the audition was due that night. And I sat there for about two minutes and said, is it worth me recording this? audition. And I was like, man, nah. then my wife says, what do you have to lose? I said, you know what? Let's just do it. I get up, go to my studio in my house, record it. I send it off. I'm like, they'll forget about me. Next week we go golfing again. 
and I and they're supposed to let you know by that Friday you've made the top four. And I didn't see nothing. I'm playing golf. Something told me, Troy, check your spam folder. I look, I check the spam folder, look at it. They sent me like five emails trying to get my attention to send the second audition because I think out of, I think they told me over 500 plus video auditions, they pick four and I made the final four. And this is like a day before we go to Disney World. We went last year as Incredible. well. And I'm like, okay, whoa. So we're on the ninth hole. And I say, we're not playing 18 holes. I got to go home to record this video for the nine Indian and a half. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I rushed home, man, put a suit on. They give me a script. They want to hear how I, how I sound with announcing fouls. It's a whole way they want to see, can I handle a game? So I send the video, man. We go to Disney World the next day. They say, you'll know by, they, they never told me when I would know I got it. So it's four people left. Monday goes by, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we went through all the parks. And I'm like, man, they don't, they, they don't, they put somebody else. Right. I'm at Magic Kingdom on a Friday. I get a call from a 317 number. I'm like, hello? Hey, this is Dean with the Indiana Pacers. I said, oh my God. Man, I screamed like I won the Super Bowl, man. <laughs> oh, hey, look, I went nuts. And I told us, I'm sorry, man, I'm excited. He said, well, we want to offer you the job. And from there, man, the rest is history. Uh, God's blessed me to announce the Pacers. I've done the Big Ten uh, men's basketball tournament, as well as I'm doing the Big Ten on Saturday as well. I've done various events to the city because when you're the announcer for the Pacers, it comes with a lot of perks. It's a prestige position. Only about six people in the Pacers history have announced for them. And uh, man, it's led to a lot of commercial voiceover opportunities and voiceover stuff. And man, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey, but it's, it's crazy how it all happened, but that's how I got my foot in the door, starting local networking. I will go to different sporting events, uh, networking events and stuff, get my name out there and eventually led to the big dogs, man. So that's kind of how that went about. I think, I think that's incredible. I think what the whole story is amazing, but what stuck out to me was, you were already ready, so you didn't have to get ready because the audition was was due that night. So how important is, especially as we're talking to leadership, that if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready? Like, how important is that as leaders? I think that's the biggest thing. So a lot of people will reach out to me on Instagram and I have a TikTok where I kind of give behind the view of announcing and what it goes about it. And a lot of people who are my age or older, how do I get into it? I ask the question, have you been doing it? Uh, no. Have you practiced? No. Mm-hmm. And that is, I believe, one of the I think that's one of the worst things about this generation and younger. It's almost like it's a spirit of entitlement that mm-hmm. has gotten in our era where we think we deserve a position just because I want it. Mm-hmm. But there's somebody else working twice as hard with six years of preparation of practicing on their own at home. Like I would practice announcing just to do it at home for fun. But right. I will have repetition. And through that repetition, that's what birthed the results. So I think that goes to, I, I think, anything in life, in, in a tech career or in leadership period of any capacity. It's what you do behind the scenes and the repetitions you do. You look at some of the greatest athletes in the world. And the biggest thing I look at is one of the athletes, I, people just kind of don't like them at all, but I like them, is Floyd Mayweather. He talks crazy, very flamboyant. But one thing I love to watch when I want some motivation, 
I will go to YouTube and I will look up his workout regimen and I see how much work he puts in. And then I can say, like, he deserves to talk like that because of the work and repetition he puts in. And he's controversial. Yeah. But one thing I can't take from him is a work ethic. What he does behind the scene gives us the show that we see in the ring. So and I think that goes into anybody trying to be in leadership or any position that you desire. You got to put the work in behind the scenes. Wow. <clears throat> That's incredible. Facts, facts. I love what you said about the entitlement piece because so we get questions. I don't know how many often Lafayette gets asked. I've been asked quite a few times. People say, hey, I've been wanting to start a podcast. Can you give me some tips and help and all these things? And at first I'm like, sure, let's get on these calls. Let's do this. And then I realized they were just, they liked the idea of a podcast. And they liked the idea of, I think they thought instant fame of a, of a show. And they don't understand it's a long grind. And very few people just jump to the peak of podcasting sort of thing. We're not even there right now. And so, what? and I stopped taking the calls. I And I started more saying, why don't you do A, B, and C first, and then we'll talk. And 99% of them have never even done the first three steps. It was more to save my time. But even within podcasting, a year ago, I realized I'm not that great of a communicator. I mean, not the worst, but could definitely be better. So what I do, paid someone several thousand bucks to teach me how to be a better communicator, get rid of all my ums and ahs, how to talk in, you know, within ranges and different things like that. I can't change how my voice sounds necessarily, but definitely just communicate better. And it was huge because if this is what we do, you want to be the best communicator. But you have been given a gift, essentially, I feel like. It's almost like God, because Lafayette has this too. You both have amazing natural voices. It's like God blessed you with, here, here's a voice that people will love to listen to. But I don't think that necessarily was probably good enough. I mean, it, it's good enough, but it might not get you all the way where you want it to be. And I think a lot of people would probably say, wow, Troy, if I had your voice, because I've heard you, I heard listen to your Instagram. If I had your voice, I would love to be the next Pacers, Cavs, whatever, PA announcer, so on and so forth. Can you take me back to when you realized you had this gift, but how did you develop it to get to where you are? Because I think everybody misses that. Like, oh, I got, there's a gift, and maybe you identify it, but it's not ready. Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. It's I know a lot of of talented people in which I do mentor some talented people that are younger. Some are even older than me um, because not only am I doing you know stuff with my voice, I also I'm a, I'm a certified life coach as well. So that's something I do as well. And when you start to work with people and, and that are talented, sometimes they are the most laziest people and they have the skill set. They have the all, I mean, the whole ability, but they haven't put it together to maximize its full potential. One thing I always tell them is like, I never want to live a life of potential because if you keep saying that about me by the time I'm 30, 40, what that means is you, you have not made it. You, you have not developed. That's what potential is. It's, it's not developed yet. I want to live a life of purpose. 
Purpose is like knowing who I am, where I'm going, how I'm going to do it, and I'll execute my plan to do it. So, but when people say, like, I wish I had your voice, the stuff I do on the back end, they don't know how much I practice speaking in the mirror. Like, success to me is, I heard somebody say, it's the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. And there's a constant time my wife will hear me in the room going over scripts that are not even going to be heard by anybody else. But I'm trying to be ready for that moment. That is how I am. And through that, this happened since I was younger. I was on a debate team. I've been on speech teams. I have literally knew I had a voice. I knew it. And I said, well, let me maximize this. And I had some great mentors that told me, Troy, through repetition, you can speak to thousands. And, you know, God has blessed me to preach. And I took most of my 20s, I evangelized. I was evangelizing, preaching around the country. And uh, I think Lafayette's been out maybe one or two of my services I've preached at as well. But I've, I've preached all through my 20s. And all that was really pumping up, I say, around 24. But I did a lot of work from the age of 18 to 23 to prepare myself for the moment. When my pastor would say, hey, you want to talk about this? Yeah, I'll talk. Anybody want to teach you? I'll teach. Because I knew like the more I do it, the better I can critique myself. I would, man, I used to have a camera set up. I, it could be me speaking to six-year-olds. And I would set a camera up Lafayette and record myself. And then I would go back and say, okay, I was talking too fast. I was talking too educated for six. So I always said, all right, I was always critiquing myself 18 to 22, like crazy. And I would have this little ugly pink camera that I took from my mother and I will record myself everywhere I went when I had to speak. But all that repetition allowed me to build my skill set. And I believe this has really got me where I am today, uh, speaking for not just churches and the Pacers, but speaking far as I speak for tech forums. I'm on, I'm the president of our African-American business resource group for my company I work for, which is over 1,200 members that I lead in our diversity council. So those speaking ability, one of the main attributes people say, man, you're, man, do you speak somewhere? Where, where'd you learn to speak? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. But they don't know. Hours in the bathroom, <laughs> in the shower. And that repetition has really blessed me to get to where I am today. I think that's so good. You were talking about our generation earlier. I think another thing that our generation lacks is the ability to take constructive criticism. You just talked about even criticizing yourself. Everyone thinks that they're God's greatest gift to earth. Uh, And, and, you know, that I'm the best thing and no one can tell me anything. And if you give somebody and I said constructive criticism, then we think that someone's attacking you or think that you're trash or you're garbage. And that's not the case uh, because you're able to take that constructive criticism. You're able to construct what God has called you to do because you're able to take that constructive criticism, bro. I also look at you and I think all the things you mentioned, some things I didn't know. I didn't know you was a life coach, Troy. I didn't know all that. Um, that's amazing. What, what is it about you? I think when I look at you, Troy, I think that you are innovative in what you do because you have shifted. Um, you're still a preacher. Uh, when I first met you, I, I was introduced to you as a, an evangelist, but watching you over the last few years, I've seen more innovation and kind of a, I don't know if I call it a pivot or a shift to where it's more to you than just that. How do you keep yourself with that cutting edge that I don't have to lose my integrity? 
I can still be who God called me to be, but I also can have more than one talent, more than one gift. I'm going to use everything that God put in me and remain to have that innovative, creative cutting edge. I think it's really, um, I think great mentorship has really helped me. I got some great mentors um, that have allowed me not to settle for current success. Um, that's allowed me to really want to evolve because every, every time I go into a new year, I always recap. I always start my new year, December 1st. I try to, it's a mental thing. I'm like, I mean, let me beat everybody else to get into January 1st. I always start me and a couple of buddies that push me as well. We always start December 1st. So we start changing our goals and all that stuff. And I think what helps me, man, because I, I always, you know, I, I remember I was 20. I said, man, I want to be an evangelist. I want to preach around the world. And that was it. I said, I'll get my degree, but I, I'm going to preach everywhere. And then I, I got introduced to a friend of mine who's a mentor of mine. And I saw that he was an evangelist as well as a businessman, as well as a father, as well as a man of many side hustles with multiple streams of income. And he was telling me preaching can take you, you know, where God wants you to be. He said, but there's more to you than one skill set. And I was like, wait, no, I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to, you know, preach the word of God, like get Jesus. But he was saying, we said, but there's another ministry that you can help people other than just being on a pulpit with a mic. And that blew my mind. And that's when I said, you know what? I could utilize my gift and be a light in another industry. Because one of the main things as a youth pastor, you get, you know, young people, what do you ask? What do they always ask? What is my purpose? What am I called to do? And a lot of times I think in the church setting, we say, what, what am I called to do? We think preaching or singing or music. Those are the main things we think of. But sometimes you're called to be a saved teacher or a Christian engineer. That's your calling. That's your ministry space. And you can utilize that. And having that knowledge and perspective that blew my mind. And that's why every year I try to evolve and see what can I do with my gifts like I'm a preacher, but I can program C Sharp, Java, Python. I could do all of that, but I can be a light to minorities that don't know about the tech industry. That's why I speak to high schoolers. I speak to middle schoolers to introduce them to programming and coding, as well as different minorities. So just trying to evolve every year, man. And I always feel I'm the biggest critic of myself. Even now I'm like, okay, there's so much more I can do. There's so much more to my different different skills and talents. There's more I can do. And uh, it's just me against me, but having a mentor is number one, man. And then having friends who are like-minded, who are not satisfied with current success. That's what pushes me to pivot, especially when the pandemic hit. I said, all right, let's do, let's do something else. So you said friends that are like-minded. I love it. We talk about association all the time. True. I'm assuming there's been times when you've had to intentionally seek out association and intentionally separate. What's that been like? Like, How do you find the association that you need more than just what you want? I think for me to find the association that I need, I look at it like this. I think certain friends are seasonal. Um, you can grow out of friends. Um mm -hmm. Some friends are not meant to be permanent. I've known that. Mm -hmm. And I look at friendship. There's, there's, there's childhood friendships, one or two that will last a lifetime. You'll, mm -hmm. you'll never 
no matter where they are in life, they may not be as successful as you, but somehow y'all have that connection. You'll have that. Those are those lifelong bonds. Brothers, you know, I have a brother who's my best friend as well. That's my brother. I talk to him every day. Different paths of life, but we're close in certain perspectives, right? But then to get associated with people that I feel like I need to go to my next level, I look at to see what are they doing that I don't have? Like, and I'm not seeking people to take advantage of them, but I'm a, I'm a, a, a ambitious person for knowledge. And my thing is, you don't have to be my best friend. But hey, tell me how you what you did to get there. Show me what you've done. Like, what what am I missing? Is it money? Is it my 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 perspective on it? So I always look for friendships that number one that want to be successful, that see where they are, but they know there's another level. And then I just I love good conversations, and that's how I'm always going to networking events. I am the extroverts of extroverts. Like my wife is an introvert. We are a complete opposite. I will go to a random leadership networking event by myself. Don't know nobody. Walk out with seven business cards and feel successful. <laughs> that's, that's what I do on a Tuesday night randomly. But I just feel like the more people that are looking for the same thing you're looking for or even more, or even somebody who is at a place that you are not and you just want to, it could be one conversation over coffee. You can get something that would turn your life around. And I've had conversations with random people. I've talked to them one time over coffee and they said some things that have just blew my mind. And I think it takes one conversation to change a life or one conversation to hurt one. But words are very powerful. And I believe talking to the right people, man, it, it, it can do some great things for you. Man, I think that's, that's so good. You talked about association how important is it that when we have association, that we have a diversity group of friends that maybe are not necessarily like us? Because you just said, you know, you're a super extrovert. Your wife's an introvert. But I'm sure everybody in your association is not a super extrovert like you are. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Everybody has their own different personalities, their own different perspectives. How do you mesh that in your life and how have you found that to help you in your successful leadership journey? Yeah, I think that's... um the diversity of people, I think, well, diversity period in any company, you know, helps the bottom line of revenue. It's proven statistically through diverse minds will always produce the greatest results. And I think that can be applied to personal life. Diverse friends will help your bottom line of your success, not just your money, but I'm talking about success in general, mindset, perspective. And I think me having a diverse set of friends, I mean, Filipino engineers, directors, principals, the list goes on, but it helps me understand, I think the world like at a better perspective. Cause if I was secluded to myself, I will only see life in the, in the lens of an evangelist engineer announcer. I couldn't see it from a principal's perspective or a VP of finance or somebody who doesn't believe my faith at all, who's maybe Muslim or maybe Buddhist. So I have people I talk to that, I mean, it blows my mind the things they say and how they look at the world. But I think that helps sharpen my my capability to be in this extrovert to talk to different people. And I don't talk to everybody the same way. If I know somebody's an introvert, there's a way I come at them. If I know they're an extrovert, there's a way I come at them. If I know they're soft-spoken, I'm not all, hey, hey, you know what I mean? But I think having a diverse set of friends help your networking skills. And I think that helps your communication skills. 
Because at the end of the day, life's all about for me great communication. How much great communication? That's how business deals are made, wars are made, peace is made through communication. And I think that's the greatest attribute. That's why I'm always blabbering my mouth, using my voice, because I think communication is key to success from your perspective as well as helping somebody else's perspective. So, wow. I know we're kind of, Lafayette's probably kind of getting close to wrapping, but before we get to there, you said you're a life coach. That's amazing. What kind of, can you just tell everybody, I'd like to just kind of promote you a little bit. What kind of life coach are you? Who are you coaching? That kind of thing. What can they, just tell us a little bit about that program. Yeah. So far as my life coaching, so I do this, I just started, I, I will start, I mentored a lot through, mm-hmm. you know, Boys and Girls Club. And then eventually I went to you know, high schoolers and kind of kept doing that. I'm like, I enjoy it. I love helping people mm-hmm. that may not see potential in where they want to be or give them direction. That's my whole thing. I love guiding. If I can guide them to get to where they want to be and how to get there, I feel like it's successful. And uh, so I started looking up different certifications. I read a call this guy uh, named Brandon Bruchard. Are you guys familiar with him? Brandon Bruchard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has a certification program I went through and I started working for his company on the side. Uh, Mm. It's called growth.com. And Mm. I started doing live coaching sessions with people that they will present to me. And uh, I've worked with doctors. I've worked with VP of finances. I've worked with teachers. I've worked with stay at home moms who just need some sanity and some help to get some motivation to get to where they want to be. So it's a variety of people that come before me and I'm able to coach. And uh, it's more, I feel like it's more of a blessing to me to see people transform, mm-hmm. to talk to somebody and see them have just a question mark on life, curiosity, just don't know where to go and to give them certain guidance and everything you pull out of them is from them. And you just mash it up together and allow them to see, okay, this is the path I need to go is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. And when you start from scratch to somebody who just, you know, you get to a point, I've been in a place in my life where what am I doing? How am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. And to see somebody pull all the answers, not from exterior, but from the inside, and you're just help pushing it out, I think mm-hmm. it's the greatest tool in the world. So, but I've been doing that, man, for years. And I think the last year I've been doing that for growth.com and it's been a blessing, man. Uh, good for you. Troy, we always wrap up our last segment asking our guests to give us an off script moment to where whatever's on your heart that you think that you would empower and bless our audience. Give us that last off script moment, whatever's on your heart. Man, whatever's on my heart, I would say take a risk. I think um, it's so easy to be comfortable. It's so easy to give ourselves great excuses. And when I say great excuses, uh, sometimes our excuses sound great. I'm not going to work out. Because I got to put the kids to bed. That's a good excuse because your kids need to go to bed. But we'll ride that out for six years. Uh, I want to go back to school, but I got church and I got soccer with the kids. That's good excuses. Church is needed. Soccer is needed for the kids. Keep them occupied. But that good excuse is causing you to miss out on the greatest opportunity of your life is the right now moment. And that right now moment could be you saying, all right, let me sign up for the gym. Let me register for financial aid for school. So my biggest thing, my, my off script moment is identify your good excuses. See what is your good excuse you keep using. I've, I've been guilty. 
I, I was sometimes I want to do two days at the gym and then I say, no, my kids need to go to school. So I got to I ain't got time in the morning. But identify your good excuses, write them down. And when you start writing down your good excuses, you start to see you'll, you'll smell your own bluff and take that risk. I think the greatest opportunity right now for people um, is technology online. Starting a business, you don't need brick and mortar no more. There's Shopify, there's drop shipping. I'm in, I got a drop shipping store as well. Like some stuff you can do on the side. There's so much things you can Google side hustles that take little effort just to start up, but it's just taking that first risk of just doing it. So I would say get rid of good excuses, take a risk, man. And as we go into this new year, don't wait till January 1st to write out your goals, do them now. And then as you write your goals, write the pros and cons of, of why you should, why you shouldn't do it. And then you'll find out your pros outweigh the cons. So just do it. So my biggest thing, I mean, get rid of good excuses, take the risk. Let's end this year with the bang, but let's start next year to change our lives. And I think it starts with you. Absolutely. Listen, stay connected with Troy. Follow him on Instagram at Troy Pepper underscore. And also check out his life coaching there on www.growth.com. Stay connected with us here on Unscripted. You can follow us at Unscripted Leadership on all social media. Our website is unscripted-leadership.com. Podcast is available on all streaming platforms. If you'd like to support our mission of developing empowered leaders in the areas of business, family, and community, you can do so at patreon.com backslash unscripted leadership. As always, we pray that you be the leader that God has called you to be. We're here to build bridges and not walls. Bridges to connect and walls divide. Until next time, God bless you.